The Passion of Our Lord Jesus Christ, according to John. After they had eaten the supper, Jesus went out with his disciples across the Kidron Valley to a place where there was a garden which he and his disciples entered. Now Judas, who betrayed him, also knew the place, because Jesus often met there with his disciples. So Judas brought a detachment of soldiers together with police from the chief priests and the Pharisees, and they came there with lanterns and torches and weapons. Then Jesus, knowing all that was about to happen to him, came forward and asked them, Whom are you looking for? They answered, Jesus of Nazareth. I am he. Judas, who betrayed him, was standing with them. When Jesus said to them, I am he, they stepped back and fell to the ground. Again he asked them, Whom are you looking for? Jesus of Nazareth. I told you that I am he. So if you are looking for me, let these men go. This was to fulfill the word that he had spoken. I did not lose a single one of those whom you gave me. Then Simon Peter, who had a sword, drew it, struck the high priest's slave, and cut off his right ear. The slave's name was Malchus. Jesus said to Peter, Put your sword back into its sheath. Am I not to drink the cup that the Father has given me? So the soldiers, their officer, and the Jewish police arrested Jesus and bound him. First they took him to Annas, who was the father-in-law of Caiaphas, the high priest that year. Caiaphas was the one who had advised the Jews that it was better to have one person die for the people. Simon Peter and another disciple followed Jesus. Since that disciple was known to the high priest, he went with Jesus into the courtyard of the high priest, but Peter was standing outside at the gate. So the other disciple who was known to the high priest went out, spoke to the woman who guarded the gate, and brought Peter in. The woman said to Peter, You are not also one of this man's disciples, are you? Peter said, I am not. Now the slaves and the police had made a charcoal fire because it was cold, and there they were standing around it and warming themselves. Peter also was standing with them and warming himself. Then the high priest questioned Jesus about his disciples and about his teaching. Jesus answered, I have spoken openly to the world. I have always taught in synagogues and in the temple where all the Jews come to gather. I have said nothing in secret. Why do you ask me? Ask those who heard what I said to them. They know what I said. When he had said this, one of the police standing nearby struck Jesus on the face, saying, Is that how you answer the high priest? If I have spoken wrongly, testify to the wrong. But if I have spoken rightly, why do you strike me? Then Annas sent him bound to Caiaphas, the high priest. Now Simon Peter was standing and warming himself. They asked him, You are not also one of his disciples, are you? He denied it and said, I am not. One of the slaves of the high priest, a relative of the man whose ear Peter had cut off, asked, Did I not see you in the garden with him? Again, Peter denied it. And at that moment, the cock crowed. Then they took Jesus from Caiaphas to Pilate's headquarters. It was early in the morning. 
They themselves did not enter the headquarters so as to avoid ritual defilement and to be able to eat the Passover. So Pilate went out to them and said, What accusation do you bring against this man? They answered, If this man were not a criminal, we would not have handed him over to you. Pilate said to them, Take him yourselves and judge him according to your law. They replied, We are not permitted to put anyone to death. This was to fulfill what Jesus had said when he indicated the kind of death he was to die. Then Pilate entered the headquarters again, summoned Jesus, and asked him, Are you the king of the Jews? Do you ask this on your own, or did others tell you about me? I am not a Jew, am I? Your own nation and the chief priests have handed you over to me. What have you done? My kingdom is not from this world. If my kingdom were from this world, my followers would be fighting to keep me from being handed over to the Jews. But as it is, my kingdom is not from here. So you are a king? You say that I am a king. For this I was born, and for this I came into the world to testify to the truth. Everyone who belongs to the truth listens to my voice. What is truth? After he had said this, Pilate went out to the Jews again and told them, I find no case against him, but you have a custom that I release someone for you at the Passover. Do you want me to release for you the king of the Jews? They shouted in reply, Not this man, but Barabbas. Now Barabbas was a bandit. Then Pilate took Jesus and had him flogged, and the soldiers wove a, a crown of thorns and put it on his head, and they dressed him in a purple robe. They kept coming up to him, saying, Hail, King of the Jews! And they struck him on the face. Pilate went out again and said to them, Look, I am bringing him out to you to let you know that if I find no case against him, so Jesus came out wearing the crown of thorns and the purple robe. Pilate said to them, Here is the man. When the chief priests and the police saw him, they shouted, Crucify him, crucify him. Pilate said to them, Take him yourselves and crucify him. I find no case against him. They answered him, We have a law, and according to that law he ought to die, because he has claimed to be the Son of God. Now when Pilate heard this, he was more afraid than ever. He entered his headquarters again and asked Jesus, Where are you from? But Jesus gave him no answer. Pilate therefore said to him, Do you refuse to speak to me? Do you not know that I have power to release you and power to crucify you? You would have no power over me unless it had been given to you from above. Therefore, the one who handed me over to you is guilty of a greater sin. From then on, Pilate tried to release him, but the Jews cried out, If you release this man, you are no friend of the emperor. Everyone who claims to be a king sets himself against the emperor. When Pilate heard these words, he brought Jesus outside and sat on the judge's bench at a place called the Stone Pavement or in Hebrew, Gabbatha. Now it was the day of preparation for the Passover, and it was about noon. Pilate said to the Jews, Here is your king. 
they cried out, Away with him! Away with him! Crucify him! Pilate asked them, Shall I crucify your king? The chief priests answered, We have no king but the emperor. Then Pilate handed Jesus over to them to be crucified. So they took Jesus, and carrying the cross by himself, he went out to what is called the place of the skull, which in Hebrew is called Golgotha. There they crucified him, and with him two others, one on either side, with Jesus between them. Pilate also had an inscription written and put on the cross. It read, Jesus of Nazareth, the King of the Jews. Many of the people read this inscription because the place where Jesus was crucified was near the city, and it was written in Hebrew, in Latin, and in Greek. Then the chief priests of the Jews said to Pilate, Do not write the King of the Jews, but this man said, I am King of the Jews. Pilate answered, What I have written, I have written. When the soldiers had crucified Jesus, they took his clothes and divided them into four parts, one for each soldier. They also took his tunic. Now the tunic was seamless, woven up in one piece from the top. So they said to one another, Let us not tear it, but cast lots for it to see who will get it. This was to fulfill what the scripture says. They, will di they divided my clothes among themselves, and for my clothing they cast lots. And that is what the soldiers did. Meanwhile, standing near the cross of Jesus were his mother and his mother's sister, Mary, the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus saw his mother and the disciple whom he loved standing beside her, he said to his mother, Woman, here is your son. Then he said to the disciple, Here is your mother. And from that hour, the disciple took her into his home, his own home. After this, when Jesus knew that all was now finished, in order to fulfill the scripture, he said, I am thirsty. A jar full of sour wine was standing there. So they put a sponge full of the wine on a branch of hyssop and held it to his mouth. When Jesus had received the wine, he said, It is finished. Then he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. Since it was the day of preparation, the Jews did not want the bodies left on the cross during the Sabbath, especially because that Sabbath was a day of great solemnity. So they asked Pilate to have the legs of the crucified men broken and the bodies removed. Then the soldiers came and broke the legs of the first and of the other who had been crucified with him. But when they came to Jesus and saw that he was already dead, they did not break his legs. 
Instead, one of the soldiers pierced his side with a spear, and at once blood and water came out. He who saw this has testified so that you also may believe. His testimony is true, and he knows that he tells the truth. These things occurred so that the scripture might be fulfilled. None of his bones shall be broken. And again, another passage of scripture says, they will look on the one whom they have pierced. After these things, Joseph of Arimathea, who was a disciple of Jesus, though a secret one because of his fear of the Jews, asked Pilate to let him take away the body of Jesus. Pilate gave him permission, so he came and removed his body. Nicodemus, who had at first come to Jesus by night, also came, bringing a mixture of myrrh and aloes weighing about a hundred weight. They took the body of Jesus and wrapped it with the spices in linen cloths, according to the burial custom of the Jews. Now there was a garden in the place where he was crucified, and in the garden there was a new tomb in which no one had ever been laid. And so, because it was the Jewish day of preparation, and the tomb was nearby, they laid Jesus there. Our gospel story begins in the Garden of Gethsemane and continues on as Jesus experiences many things that day. The agony in the garden, the betrayal of Judas, the rejection of some of his own people, the denials of Peter, the sham of a trial, the indignity of the crucifixion, his words of thirst, and in the end, his death on a cross. As we stand at the foot of the cross today with the other disciples and watch all of these events unfold before us, we are certainly challenged to look at our own broken lives. And we are challenged to look beyond ourselves to see our broken and violent world that we inhabit. We are invited to look at our broken and bloodied Savior hanging on his cross and to contemplate the events that brought him to that point. Jesus tells us in our gospel reading today, you say that I am a king, for this I was born and for this I came into the world to testify to the truth. Everyone who belongs to the truth listens to my voice. And then Pilate asks him, what is truth? Unable to see truth staring him right in the face. But what does Jesus mean? He speaks of the truth of God's infinite faithfulness to us, his beloved. It is the truth that he has triumphed over all the sin and violence of our world. It is the truth of who we really are, daughters and sons of God. 
It is the truth that we are invited to follow in his way of love and nonviolence, even in the face of violence itself. It is the truth of God's unquenchable desire to draw us to himself in a relationship like no other relationship. Yes, the cross is also the story of sin, both historically and our own sin that continues today. It is important for us to recognize our own sinfulness, to recognize our own responsibility for the cross. It is not so that we hang our heads in despair or walk through our lives in shame. No. Rather, it is to recognize that our brokenness is part of, of who we are. And when we sin, we do great damage to that relationship that we have with God. But the cross is more than all of this brokenness that the world can display. It's bigger than all the sickness, all of the violence, and all of the sin around us. The passion of Christ is the phrase we use to describe his suffering, but passion also means love. God's love is patient, it's kind, it endures forever, it bears all things, it believes all things, hopes all things, and endures all things. On the cross, Jesus gives us the ultimate example of love. There he is, hanging from the cross, but he comforts his mother. He trusts in his father. He doesn't curse, he blesses. He doesn't condemn, he forgives. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Lord, forgive us, for we know not what we do. To, be, to Peter and to all of us who have denied him, he offers the kingdom, the keys to the kingdom of heaven. He invites us to labor in his vineyard and to help bring about his love and his peace in our damaged world today. Just before he dies on the cross, he says, I thirst. And he's given a sponge soaked in sour wine. This is not what he thirsted for. We find in John's gospel often we hear about water and we hear about thirsting in one way or another. At the wedding feast in Cana, he ch changed water into wine. At Jacob's well, he offers the Samaritan woman the water of everlasting life. He heals the blind man and has him wash in the water in the pool of Siloam. He offers his own blood to drink at the Last Supper. And we also see that the crowds, the disciples, the, the tax collectors, the outcasts, all these people were thirsting for him, for the peace that only he can give to us. But now he thirsts. On the cross, Jesus is the thirsting, unquenchable love of God for all of us. 
He is the faithful one who lays down his life. He is the good shepherd who will never, ever stop searching for us. He is the living water of our baptism. He is the one who will walk with us through the many storms in our lives. Through all the suffering of today, Jesus remains the one who has conquered all of it. He is the one who will lead us through the darkness that surrounds us on this very solemn day and into the bright Easter dawn of salvation. Let us journey with the King who makes all things new. <laughs>